talking about um, names. Us yes, not the, taking, the, yeah, yeah. In, in America and the cultures I'm in, uh, oftentimes they do. But like, it's interesting in the Czech Republic, where my wife is from, they do the fathers, and when they have when when parents have daughters, they put Ova at the end, which yeah. which translates to property of or or ownership or, or land uh, owned by. But what if it's a boy? They do not get an ova. Mm. Yeah, it's and so sexist. It yeah, it's really sexist. <laughs> it's completely sexist. Wow. Now, what I haven't understood is that you take your your spouse's name, mm-hmm. and then like everything changes. Like you want to find someone that was with you in school, and then it's just her name has been changed. I think it's really weird. Then it's like you. Get, well, traditionally, like, okay, so like, I'll take my mother, for example. Her name, she was born Anne Elizabeth Stahl. She then got married to Timothy Doles. And so she, her now, her, now her like legal name is Anne Stahl Doles. So she takes her born oh, last yeah. name and makes it into her middle name. Mm-hmm. And then her married name becomes her last name. Yeah, but this still is a different name. <laughs> it is. It totally is. Yeah. No, no I, I mean, with you know social media and stuff, it's a pain in the ass to try and find yeah, people really you went is. to school with because they all got married. Or I should say women because they all got married and they changed their names. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. But, and then if they get divorced and they have to change it again, I mean, it's like a whole, you know, like a, I don't know. It really has confused me. It is utterly confusing. I thoroughly agree. Yeah. Not only confusing, but sexist, because this is Yo. an image that, that only women have to deal with. Men, men, in no way, shape, or form, in any country I've ever visited, has had to deal with something yeah, like this. Yeah, you really, you guys really don't have to deal with basically anything. Yeah, we don't even have to give birth. <laughs> no. We got nothing, man. We exactly. got it easy. Yeah, but I mean, we we are prettier. Let's give us that. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> should are I ta- should I take offense by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should. Yeah. Okay, great. I will then. That's fine. Um, okay. So anyways, so let's go back to you. Oh, yes. Me, 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 me. So your background. So like, I'm always interested in how people even got to sort of working in the creative industry. So mm-hmm. like, were your parents creative? Did you, how did you find sort of your creative inspirations in your youth? Yeah. It was just a thing that I needed to do, I guess. I mean, I was just like one of these kids who was always making her clothes because I couldn't find any that I liked. And the clothes that I made were amazing, I'll tell you. Beautiful stuff. Um, I'm yeah, my feeling mom sarcasm in that. Yeah, I mean, they really weren't. Okay. You know, but it was cute, you know, in retrospect, it was cute. What age range are we talking about here? Our mentaskole, which is like equivalent of college. You're from like six, oh. 16 to 20. Uh-huh. That's when I started really making my own clothes. But when I was younger, me and my mom were always at home, like making these like baskets and like, you know, little stitch pictures and whatever. And at home, where at were home. you raised? Um, here in Reykjavik. Okay. I'm born in Boston, but I'm raised in Reykjavik. Just to be clear, that's Boston, Massachusetts si. in the United States. Yes. Interesting. How? Um, how? Why? My dad is a kidney specialist, so he was studying to become... Awesome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're studying to become a kidney specialist. And first it was Connecticut and then they moved to. I can't remember the name of the place in Connecticut. Whatever. Yeah. So 
when my you, sister when and you I say are both kidney specialist, like a uh, doctor. A doctor. Okay, yes. I was thinking like uh, cook, the who cooks oh, kidneys. Yes. Like, no, yeah, okay, here doctor. we specialize. There's only one cook that makes liver. That's and that's, what, and that's why I was sort of like, you know, every <laughs> culture is a little different. I just yeah, want to make sure. Yeah, we say it needs okay. nature for a good. And I said like, so. Okay. okay, kidney specialist, doctor. Mm, doctor. Got it. Okay, yeah. lovely. Mom and dad, when they moved to the U.S., they had both my brothers. I have two older brothers and one older sister. And then they had my sister and me in the U.S. So my mom had four kids and I was alone at home while dad was, you know, out having fun at the hospital. <laughs> Is that fun? I don't know. I've never worked in a hospital. He asked me when I was 10 years old to promise him that I would never become a doctor. That's But he loves his job. So I wonder, I think the times are... You know, the hours that you put in are long and hard. A lot of people that I know that are in the doctoring profession, <laughs> I don't even know what that's called, medical profession, I see, medical you profession, <laughs> yeah. they, um, yeah, they, I mean, they work very long hours, mm -hmm. like, insane, especially if they're in a hospital versus like maybe private practice and stuff like that. I mean, I mean it's, my it's dad's crazy. Was both. I don't know. And then my brother became a doctor and like my, my cousin and blah, blah, blah. Everybody around me is doctors. It's like really easy for me to you know, get my ailments fixed, if you, that's a sentence. It is. Yeah. That's good. But I mean, if I need some lawyers to help me or whatever, not that I often need to, but you know, then I don't know one, not one. Mm. My family has is all ministers. Oh, yes, nice. So like, when you die, you they probably would be gone. Is, yeah, um, they're all yeah. older than me. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> hopefully, I they will be gone before me. Oh, the, oh the, yeah, like, you know, like, <laughs> that would that'd be very sad. But, I actually uh, feel like I want to be gone before everyone else. Like, I don't want to have to say goodbye to anyone. So mm. I, you know, I sort of, I have this like, I have this secret wish. Obviously, not if I'm going to say it right now, that I die before my friends, so I don't have to <laughs> say goodbye to them. I have but this, I still want to become old, you know. I understand. I have this horrible feeling that for all my vices and all the horrible things I have done to my body that I have ingested and, you know, in, in inappropriate substances that I've used in my life <laughs> and crazy adventures that I have done that I should have died, I am going to outlive everybody I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be my curse. Obviously, for all the bad things that you've the done. horrible <laughs> things. Oh, God. That were so great. As well. Well, I mean, I had a good time. I mean, I used to be, I used to tour around with rock and roll bands. And Ooh. so I was. You were a professional groupie? A roadie. Oh. Groupies are fans. Roadies are employed. Mean. We were okay. paid to do it. Mm -hmm. But That's we were also paid yourself. in drugs and other things. Yeah. So, you know, I was, was paid in beer and drugs. But I was paid. <laughs> no beer for me. I was yeah. a narcotics person, but full on. Uh, yeah, yeah. No beer and no coffee? No beer, no coffee. Those are my, those are the two. I mean, I've, I smoke, I've done, you know, all the hallucinogenics, heroin, cocaine, like heroin, all of that's really taking it really far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you, you have no idea. Obviously. Yeah. The first, the first day I did heroin was the, the next morning I woke up to a news report that the singer from blind melon had overdosed on heroin. And I, and I was like, you can overdose oh. on that. <laughs> How old were you? 14? Uh, I was like 20. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know that was a bad bad start to that yeah obviously it's like should have taken it as a sign 
maybe. Yeah. Possibly. Well, no, I didn't, unfortunately. But yeah. Anyways. But so, anywho. <laughs> back to you. Oh, me. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, and, and now. So, well, okay. So, yeah, okay, then, so, then did you go on to some sort of formal education or is this all very informal? Uh, in mental school, you mean? Like our, our college. Well, the progression from your making your own clothing at college age mm-hmm. to having your own fashion line. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think that when you when you finish the school, you basically have like a really normal degree, you know, and you have to keep on going to the university. So I was going to go to the university and I was going to study art history. That was what I was going to do. And I had already enrolled I hadn't gotten like any answer yet because it's all, you know, in the beginning stages. And my sister was like, okay, so what are you going to go study? And I'm like, I'm going to go study arts history. She's like, oh my God. Heka, you have absolutely no interest in when somebody lived and when somebody died. You don't give a shit. And I was like, yeah, no, well, oh my God, you're right. Okay. And then she told me that I should um, go and <laughs> apply for the arts academy. I didn't know how to draw. I mean, I only drew stick figures. I still don't know how to draw, and no, I'm I mean, an art professor. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a professor, you don't really need to. So I'm going to draw this picture. I am <laughs> going to take that again as an insult, but that's fine. No, I'm a <laughs> photography professor. It's yeah, fine. So yeah, I don't like, need yeah. to. No, good. Obviously, neither do I. No, yeah, so I, um, I, I basically did it, you know, I, I went for fashion um, just because my sister told me to do it. And I did this portfolio that I still keep as a joke if some of my friends you know are feeling down I can sort of show them the portfolio you know this is really bad it was all the little things that I'd made you know and I actually put pictures that I'd drawn when I was 12 but I just I took out the year and I put a new year on there and they um enrolled me so for some reason I don't understand still or actually, I'm lying. They told me when I asked. I was just like, wow. Like when I was in year two, I was like, why did you even take me into this program? And they were like, you were an unwritten page. Like it was so interesting. You had absolutely no idea. And I still really don't. I don't really read like books on fashion or, you know, because fashion in its whole existence really doesn't interest me. I find it really. I'm not really going to say any words, but I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that into fashion. Well, that's a, a dilemma that a lot of creative people run into. It doesn't really matter what industry they're in in particular, but like, it's the nature of like looking at what other people are doing and, or being aware of what the history is. Is that important? Like, is that necessary? I feel now that it really isn't. I mean, like for me, when I do, cause I have two labels, two fashion labels. And one of them is like a heritage label and the other one is not. And the one that I started on is called Helicopter. And it's basically just a play on my name. If you remember my name, Helka Lilia. So it's H-E-L-I. Copter. Right. And basically, I mean, it's the thought of like, if nobody else can get there, the helicopter can. All right. Sort of. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that one, that's sort of like a biannual thing where I do whatever I feel like I want to do. But 
without looking at what other people are doing. Because if I constantly think about if green is going to be in for the summer of whatever, you know, because they seem to have to like design something and then, you know, it's going to be there in like one and a half years. I mean, really, like I'm not going to buy into some trend forecasting thing just so like someone can tell me that purple's in when I don't really like purple. You don't need to buy into that. Um, uh, Pantone does color of the year. So like you can just. Yeah, but that's the color of the year. Like what about the color of the year? You know, like in one and a half, you know. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is like fashion like has to be planned far in advance. So far. Yeah. You can't just be like, oh, look, this is in the news today. I should make something that's available tomorrow. Yeah. But I mean, that's sort of being changed now. But like when I was studying, I was studying from 2012. I graduated 2016. No, 2013 to 16. Okay, you're making me feel old also. All right. It makes me feel really old. I graduated from my master's degree in 2001. Okay. Yeah, you should really feel old. (laughs) It's okay. Take offense, it's fine. I will. No, okay, so I I went to this school and had the hardest time ever. I Really, wow, it was so hard, I have to admit. And then I decided, because it's three years, I decided for my last year to go to exchange program to Rietveld in Amsterdam. And then I actually figured out why the Arts Academy in Iceland had been so hard. It's because they wanted me to be a fashion bitch. But I'm streetwear. Um, I would need some <laughs> uh, definitions on that. Um, I'm not sure what the difference between fashion bitch nor streetwear would be. Oh, yeah, it was sort of like high fashion, doing the things that you see go down the runway, seeing the really interesting shapes and something that maybe doesn't really look good on the body, but it's really interesting to look at. Okay, that's fashion Versus, yeah, I mean, maybe we have to, I didn't really say that. I didn't mean that you're not bitches if if that's what you do. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just figured out that I don't do high fashion. I am not, you know, I'm not in this, you know, kind of, that wor- world, yeah. Yeah, no, it's one of those things that it's always interesting to me because, like, there's oftentimes these pressures in whatever part yeah. of things to fit into something or or be part of something. And sometimes, like, where somebody's pushing you to or encouraging you or even teaching you to be might not be the right place for you. But yeah. they don't know that. Only you know that. And, like, it takes time and mistakes to figure out sort of. what was, like, oh, yeah, oh, that was not right for me. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, it's also, I mean, my teacher really, they knew, they just didn't want me to go there because they thought it was lazy. They wanted me to try all the other things before I would become what I obviously was going to be if I was going to keep on in the world, you know, because you can like finish this study and then just go and be, you know, a, a captain or whatever. To be specific, to I would do the same thing. Though, but. I would do the same thing, yeah. Right? As a professor, yeah. I well, see, it's schooling as a professor, so I'm going to take the opposite side of your issues, is that <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here, The in school, you're supposed to be exposed to as many different sort of ideas and lineages and histories and processes and stuff like that so that when you leave, not only do you know what you want to do, but you also, to a certain extent, know what you do not want to do because you were sort of forced to do things that you were like, I hate this. But that's yeah, part but of that's education. Sort of like you can totally take something out of that, you know, yeah. all that stuff that you learned and like, you know, put it effortlessly and seamlessly into whatever 
endeavors. Yeah. Well, like I've defined my career, not by my successes, but by my failures. Like at this point, what I've realized is I know so many things that I do not want to do. Which is better. I mean, if you don't want to, right? But yet I haven't found exactly what I do want to do. I love teaching. I enjoy doing the podcast. I love making my art. But like, I'm not sure how to like put that all together. (laughs) But aren't you? I I hope I am. I think you are. I don't know. Be proud. I'm trying, (laughs) but like, you know, post pandemic, it's a bit sort of like trying to come out of a depressional funk kind of thing. I went to my um, psychiatrist, right? That's the word the other day. Psychiatrist, psychologist. Hmm? Psychiatrist gives medication. Psychologist is just talking to Okay. Psychologist, yeah. So I went to see this lady that mm. I sometimes go to and cry. Counselor, some people counselor? like counselor. No, yeah. it's not a counselor. Whatever. Therapist. 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 There's the word. I'll go I with went it. to my therapist the other day, and and you are better for it. I right. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> and she said because it's like a whole building full of therapists, and she was like, "Yeah, so we have never been so busy. Like the whole, like ev- like every room in every building, like you know what I mean, in the whole building is like occupied." every minute of the day and it it wasn't like this but we're all really we're in a bad place after this shit show that has been last three years or two years i don't know well it's been it was funny like uh, during it i didn't really have a problem it's now coming out of that's the thing that i'm suddenly like oh i'm so out of practice okay now you know what it's like to live in iceland in the winter time it is exactly like this because you're like there's constant wind and there's constant dark and you're like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, no, I'm fine. And then come January, you're still like, hmm, I'm fine. And then February, and you still think you're fine. And then when the sun comes properly back, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I haven't been fine. This is fine, you know. And it's a, yeah, that's basically like COVID. What, what, okay, to try and take that back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to to the, the business nature of it. Like, so like, it, it does, do things like shut down? So like, okay, you run a, a retail store as well yeah. as of course an online store and all these things, mm-hmm. but like, is business consistent throughout the year? Do people come in the retail stores? Like, I, I don't know. I'm I'm coming as a, a stupid foreigner, like mm-hmm. su- assuming basically people don't leave their houses for months in the year in the winter time. Oh no, we do. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so, no, no, no. I mean, of course, it's like there, there's more people over like the Christmas time or whatever, and like sure. now it's more like graduation season, whatever. But people come to retail stores, yes, and okay. they even come to the Harbor District, like we are in right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's take a step back here. So you have your show room. (laughs) (laughs) The show room. room. Your your well retail shop showroom. You're in this renovated harbor district. So like, Mm -hmm. give the listeners a little bit about like sort of this renovated harbor district. Oh yeah, I think. um, Okay. So like, the only way to say this is like one of my professors in school. She was one of the first persons to open up anything in these houses that we're in, which is, it's, it's called the Verbuth. It's basically where they fixed the nets and fixed the boats and probably smoked a lot of cigarettes and had fun. You say houses. Is, and, this, is this not a house? Uh, no. It, it's a where, warehouse. A warehouse. A I warehouse. Okay. A line of warehouses. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a it's a dock a dock where warehouse. It's one. It looks like it used to be one big warehouse, and it's been chopped into smaller yeah. compartments, basically. Yeah, no, but probably not because 
I, I actually think this was built like this. Actually, I know this was built because um, it's a landfill mm. behind this one. So it used to be only sea, like beyond this point. That's why this is shaped like this. You do know nobody can see the hand gestures you're doing. <laughs> I'm showing you. You can yeah, see it. I, I know. <laughs> so this the is listener. the shape. <laughs> it is. Um, I see. I would call it a Quonset Quonset hut. Um, yeah, it's do a, it's a know dome, what that means? A dome type thing, like a. It's a a uh, half circle. Yeah, and it was basically to protect the harbor from sea, like the sea yeah. from this side, and the wind and, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, okay. so that's where like the sea came onto here and sort of like broke on this, and then it just went like really nicely over there and like ploops. So, and so this warehouse fine. is like a barrier island. Yes, okay. it's a barrier island, and yeah, okay. So going back to like one of my, I'm not even like from like where I went out of school, but we'll get there. Um, one of my professors, her name is Steinun. She has a she has a high fashion label. Basically, mostly works with knits, and she opened up like ten or twelve years ago her store here and when you walk out of here you can see it has like this no window basically it only has this um like a picture of a knit art thing whatever and her name's Steinen. and she was only she was here alone for i think probably like five years and then the cuckoo's nest which is a really nice place to go eat it's like a coffee house slash restaurant that opened and then sort of like slowly from there this started to be a little like a little strip of stores well cities often do this kind of stuff i mean oftentimes it's like it, it's a hand in hand like <laughs> i have this old old story like new york and miami and a couple other major cities in the united states basically what happens is there'll be an old warehouse district mm -hmm. and then what will happen is like the young creatives and the homosexuals will move in they will sort of upgrade it they'll make mm -hmm. it nicer they'll make it posh they'll make it the place to be and then artistic businesses will move in there and then a developer will say oh look that's very popular and then they'll come in and basically buy the place up renovate it and make it into crap exactly i know but i mean that that hasn't happened here yet it's great but of course they're like here on the on the right side as everyone can see i'm pointing over to the right side there's like a there's a little you know, really ugly houses, super ugly houses. Let's give it that. And that the they're actually going to demolish. Museum of Whales, also. Oh yeah, it's in front of there. Yeah. The whale museum. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and, and they're probably going to do everything they can to ruin this in like five years' time. But let's let's enjoy it while it's like this. It's the normal evolution of most cities, yeah. though. So like, yeah, it just is. Yeah, I know. But yeah, so Stainen is the first one to open here, and then it's, I think it's one and a half years ago that we saw that this was going to be rented out. This used to be a cheese shop. This little space here, uh, we had to go through this like really long application period where we were competing against these 27 other companies that were trying to get in here. Okay, of for a little bit. Of course, we won. Yeah, well, so for a little clarification, who owns, runs this? Is this like owned, run by the port or the yeah, city or the, port. the. Okay, so, so it's by the port. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, because the port is a sort of a big, big corporation, I would imagine here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. No, yeah, but we had to charm these guys and they obviously found us very charming. And yeah, that's why we're here. And we love it. I mean, just look at this place. It's crazy. It is. It's and over here, this this 
This is one She's of the oldest. She's pointing across the street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from where across the street to the left side over here, if everyone would look. There's, she, this. there's no relationship of left to right on, in the audio, but so across the street from her shop. Yeah, there is one of the oldest restaurants in Iceland. Every day at eight in the morning, these guys meet there and discuss politics. Oh, yes. And every small town has that as well. Like yeah. I was in, I used to live in a place called Wilmington, North Carolina. And there, there was this place called uh, MOI, Middle of the Island. And every morning, the local politicians and the local troublemakers would all meet. Oh, and, and like, and These are actually like, all old fishermen. They used to work together and this was their cafeteria. Troublemakers or, no, no, I mean, they really are. But the thing is that I have a heritage label that is called Beth a Hilsa Slip. Or bonds, and it basically it means greetings, to, greetings it to the, the shipyard. It, I'll link to this in the show notes, so yeah. you don't have to try and spell that. <laughs> it's bonds.org. It's B A H N S. Yeah, so it's a heritage label that is basically it's like a little ode to the sea. So and just like fishermen altogether. So there's one pattern in all of the clothing, and it's the light signals from the cardinal buoys. So they make like different signals. Indicating which cardinal direction. How do you say this? Like south, north, east, yeah, or west? You got yeah. that right. Yeah. It took you it go. there. It took yeah, a yeah, second, it, but it you got it. Got there. You got it. Yeah, so that's basically the pattern of the clothing. So I thought it was really funny. It was just like a nice thing to have a photo shoot with these guys. And I've never talked to them. But this is like my place where I go to have coffee in the morning and sometimes beer in the afternoon. And... So I just, one morning I went there with my photographer and I basically just took a few sweaters and had them put them on and it was so cute. They loved it and they still love me. They're like, hi, it's the, it's the sweater girl. <laughs> you know, all these old men. <laughs> it was really don't cute. they do the tee hee hee? They don't do No, it. okay, yeah. No. But you hope they do. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's sort of like you wish they do that when you yeah. turn around. No, we can yeah. see it on their faces. They're just like, oh. There she is, you know, mm -hmm. our friend. Okay. No, okay. Well, with that, okay. So going back to now to your lines of clothing. So you have chosen to do two separate lines of clothing. Mm -hmm. So you have your streetwear and then you also have your, what do you call it? Traditional? No. Well, yeah, it's basically a heritage. heritage. Yeah. Why? Okay. Um, so I started Helicopter 2010. Right. Well, just to be clear, the reason why I'm asking this is because like running one fashion line is hard enough and like defining yourself as that thing is hard enough. You have now chosen to do two things. Wasn't really my choice. Sometimes things just happen. Um, Such as life. Yes. Yeah. So I started Helicopter in 2010 um, and I did solely that obviously for three years since I started Bonds in 2013. But the thing is that... In 2013, they asked me to participate in this little, um, it's actually not very little anymore, in this design, design march is what we call it, because March sucks. They decided to try to do something fun for March. So it's like all design. Yeah, month of yeah, design. Yeah, so we just have like this, yeah, but it's only a, like a week. Okay, end, week, design basically. week. Yeah, it's design week. Thank, Thank you. you. And they had the show where they wanted to put together art and the fashion and music. There we go. So I was in a relationship with a musician at the time. And I was like, okay, obviously we're going to do something. And he's like, okay, but we're not going to do something like a video or, you know, a song or something. Let's do something different. And I'm like, okay, let's start a label. <laughs> so there, 
And I was like, okay, really? Like, I already have a label, isn't that? Like, he was like, yeah, it's just a joke. Let's just do it. So we started to work on this concept. And then when we sort of like, we had this idea, like he, he knew of the Cardinal Buoys. I didn't. And then I made the pattern. So it was basically this kind of, you know, it was just a, what is that picture because well, I'm thinking, I'm like, the knowledge of cardinal buoys. Yes, I would gender specific that to men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Very, I, I cannot imagine. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a man, but I'm not that manly. And let's so like, I don't know the cardinal si signals, but like, I'm aware of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware they exist. Yeah. But if you asked me to draw them, I would not be able to do that. Well, I think I could now. Okay, no, I should hope sure. so. You yeah. have an entire line of clothing based yeah. on them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, where we sort of like made the whole concept behind it and the logo and we got like a lot of people to work with us on it, like like a really good graphic designer to make the logo. But the logo is like three fly fishes because of helicopter and then the sea, we wanted to like combine it. And then this sort of like thing around it, maybe I should just go and... I will put an image of it in the yeah. uh, the show notes as yeah, well. Yeah, and then we have sort of like the car two cardinal boys, and it's like, it's really all over there, but we were just having so much fun with this. And then I made these two sweaters, one unisex and then one like a women's, more like a dress knit sweater. And we decided to have it as a under label from Helicopter, because I had the same store, but in, the, in a different place at this point and it just went so well you know snowballing basically and then it just i'm still doing it well that, i mean okay and that leads to a, a sort of an interest that i have so you are icelandic mm -hmm. you are based in iceland is it somehow sort of a goal or a mission for you to be known or sell well outside of iceland or, or is it that you just want are you sort of happy to do well in iceland the reason why I ask is that it's sort of like I was an American artist when I was young and everybody was like, oh, you would do really well in Germany. OK. Oh, yeah. And so I went to Germany and everybody's like, oh, you're very American. I'm like, oh. great. Fuck you all. <laughs> so the, so the, the question is, is like, is, is as an Icelandic designer, is your goal to be internationally known or is your goal to just be nationally known and just do what you do and sort of just be happy with that? Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, of course, it would be great if, if you know, I mean, um, obviously. Right. But I mean, like, but is it like, are you doing actively, like, no. intentionally sort of going? No. Yeah, no. Okay, no. You're not. But I mean, I did when, when I started Helicopter, I was going to all these trunk shows, went to New York, we went to Paris, like, and then it was basically me and my friends who are all in fashion as well. We were all just like, woohoo, let's get a roof. You know, I, I picked the helicopter wasn't anything by this time. It really was not. It was doing really well in Iceland, but I had, it really shouldn't be showing anyone else what I was doing. So it was just this party trips, you know, basically maybe now it's matured enough to show anyone else. But, but I mean, being in Iceland, it is enough to be a big fish, choose a small enough pond. I hadn't thought about that, but the, yeah, that does make sense. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is the question of like, do you want to be a small fish in a big pond or, or do you want to be a big fish in a small pond? I guess is sort of the easiest relationship. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would love it if it would become huge, but then there's like all these other things because the things that I'm, basically my Achilles heel with both of these labels is that I'm alone and being alone is really, really hard when you're doing these things because I have, I have like a, 
Agreed. Yeah, exactly. I can do what I do. And then I don't have the knowledge to do all the other things. Also, I only have two hands. Okay, two parts to that. One, do you hand make everything? No, nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then there wouldn't be anything to get. Yeah. Okay, that's easy enough. <laughs> well, but but then but then the question would be like, so like there is a point in a lot of our careers where we suddenly like there's a, a next level we could go to that takes mm. an investment of outsiders helping us or yeah. money or desire or whatever that it sometimes is really hard to like decide like do i want to do that mm -hmm. is it worth it or mm -hmm. would i rather sort of stay at the level i am and sort of enjoy where i am yeah and, and to sort of keep the ball rolling and it's yeah it's hard that that choice there i mean i feel like anybody who's sort of serious in their creative careers like hits that point at some some time in their lifetime where mm -hmm. they're like do I take that big step and sort of try for that yeah. pipe dream? Yeah, or do <laughs> not, I stop here and well, just enjoy life? I correct, know. yeah. The things that I've, I've, I've sort of reached this, I reached this with helicopter, and then I, I, I basically, the things that I, I put that to sleep for a little time, like I, I didn't do anything from 2017 until now. Da -na -na -na. What's happening now? I'm relaunching it, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Right? Too loud? You can... Yeah, kind of, yeah. but it's all right. I can deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm relaunching it because um, I just all of a sudden became so inspired that I just I couldn't keep it down anymore, basically. Well, I guess the question would be going back. What, what happened in 2017 that made you sort of slow down? And then what happened again that sort of brought you back to it? No, yeah, because I moved to Berlin for three years. In... Uh, 2014 to 17, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And 2013, I went to south of France there for four months to stay in this tiny, tiny village called Ampus. It's 60 kilometers north of Cannes. I was there with that sad, sad man. Musician. That, uh, yeah. That I, we're not together anymore. Mm. We'll just call him musician. Let's call him musician. Yeah, and we were there for four months basically because we could. And I really, really wanted to try some, to live somewhere else than this godforsaken island. So we went to this tiny place in the middle of nowhere. We had to drive for one and a half hours in a car to, just to go to a supermarket. But it was great. It was a really great time. And then we went from there and moved to Berlin. I'm trying to answer why I stopped doing helicopter. I had been doing it for a while, obviously, and I found myself making stuff that I didn't want to wear. It was going really well in Iceland and I was constantly catering someone else's needs. And at this time, I was sort of at standstill in my relationship as well. And I really didn't want to keep on going there in that direction. So somehow I just ended both at the same time. And then I started, you know, focusing more on bonds because it had more potential to actually become something. And now I have been focusing on it for this, this like, you know, four years solely focusing only on bonds and having a kid, obviously. <laughs> and, um, I don't Nothing know why that was about it, just because I say, talked about it earlier. Say, like, <laughs> how was that obvious? Not obvious. But, no, okay. yeah, yeah. There was like I don't know, it was like a series of decisions made in my life, and yeah, I, I didn't want to do helicopter again unless I was doing it for myself. 
Well, and that again, like you're 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 bringing up the greatest topics, which are like the problems we all run into in our yeah. creative careers. At a certain point, like if you're doing something that people love, mm-hmm. you start then making it for the people that yeah. love it instead of necessarily for the fact that you love it. Mm-hmm. And so there's oftentimes that sort of difficult transit period in your career where you're like, do I keep making what other people expect of me? Yeah. Or do I stop and say, okay, wait, I you know, I love that you all respect me and trust me and and you know buy my whatever, but I still need to like be inspired. And so yeah. like sometimes you have to sit back and be like, okay, I'm I appreciate all the support. But I'm changing things around. Yeah. And that's basically what I did. And that's some of the scariest shit we, we ever yeah. do. I, but the thing is that I also figured, like, the things that I, the way I do my helicopter lines is that I, you know, I just have a, a one concept that I want to work on. And it's basically, I make patterns and then I did digitally print it on clothing or, you know, now I do it differently. You know, let's all go back to that. But this is how I did it. I made patterns. And then I digitally printed it on fabrics, made dresses, shirts, pants, whatever. And sometimes it was one print, sometimes it was, it was more. And then I started sort of thinking of like, when you digitally print, I mean, it's not really good for the environment. And then there are so, there's so much clippings, you know, there's so much stuff that goes to trash. And it's like, oh, I just, I couldn't think of it anymore. So I'm trying to figure out other ways to do this, you know. So for me at this point was just knitting. If you knit... When you fully fashion like the sweaters that I do, there's so little that goes to waste. There's only like this tiny, you know, little piece of yarn or whatever. So, yeah, that's sort of, yeah. I've noticed, I mean, so I've been here for only a couple of days, but like I've noticed that Iceland seems to be very ecologically minded. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fully aware about the geothermal power and all that kind of stuff, but beyond that stuff, so like your infrastructure stuff, mm-hmm. In the day to day, I feel like <laughs> sounds really bad. The place I'm staying, not the nicest place in the world. Where? I'm not going to say the name, <laughs> but the it, it and it it well, but even when I go around to places, it, it it and I mean this in no negative way. I actually mean it in a positive way. It's very nice. I feel like a lot of um, older things are recycled. Like things are constantly mm-hmm. being so like furnishings mm-hmm. and dishware and stuff. Like very, mm-hmm. very, a lot of times when I go places, they have like random dishes as, as when they serve meals because they just serve with whatever dish they have. And mm-hmm. when you go into a restaurant, oftentimes like the chairs and tables don't match because it seems it, it, they seem to just continually recycle things. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I, it's not a judgment. It's just different. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. So, yeah. so it's so it seems like ecological and sort of like lack of trying to create lack of waste mm-hmm. seems to be something very important, not only like in industry but in the creatives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, it is really important. We have to think about it. Obviously, now, I mean, now it's it's always been something that we had to do, but we didn't do. So now, finally, it's sort of changing to the way that it always should have been. Because then maybe we wouldn't be where we are. You know what I mean? I do. Is it's it funny? true. <laughs> it's funny, funny to me it? because you're like you're saying obvious things. Yeah. That no government corporation or any sort of people in power believe. But they do. <laughs> maybe here. I think I really do think they do. Not yeah, America. maybe here. not in America. How can they not? Because <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make them money. Yeah. Fuck money. Well. And no. it, it, Another great topic that I. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
the thing is, is like, okay, so when I was a kid, my, because oh, my father's a priest, minister, I was, don't know, reverend, I don't ever know what, because mm. it's different in every country what they mm. say here. But, you said prester. Yes. So he, uh, and, and so, so, and then I went into the arts, I went into teaching. Like, we always joke that like our whole family is basically a bunch of people who care about what they do, but not about money. <laughs> They care oh, yeah. about like respect and and sort of appreciating their jobs and things like this versus being rich. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the arts as a general whole is sort of that way. Any sort of creative industries. Like I cannot imagine that you walked in and said, fashion line, that will make me rich. <laughs> I actually obviously just followed something that, yeah, this does not make you rich. <laughs> so I can totally, I can totally tell you that. Well, because you have to, like, when you come up with a line, you have to invest a huge sum of money just mm-hmm. to send it out to production mm-hmm. with a hope and a prayer that it that people will like it. Yeah. Otherwise, you end up with a bunch of extra stuff that you're then going to have to put on sale by the time you then put the next thing stuff together. But it's a it's a huge cycle of like investment with, yeah. hopes, and prayers, with hopes and prayers, investment, hopes and prayers. And that's actually getting us back to what my problem had become was the things that I was evolving as a designer and a person and all these things and when i did label no not labels when i did um collections that i really loved like once i i collaborated with my ex-boyfriend that we were together from 2020 to 25 so it was five years musician no he's an artist actually okay different person different person yeah i have had a lot okay of... so we've got musician we've got artists two ex-boyfriends yeah. got it go on uh, yeah and then i paired up with him to make a collection and that is one of the best things I feel like I have ever done. And yeah, and then that actually didn't go that well, which just made me so sad. I was like, wow, I mean, look at this, you know? You know, there's this, uh, there's this girl that won the Oscar the other day, this Icelandic girl, Hildur Guðna. You, you don't know of her? She, she made the music for Joker? Um, no. You don't know her? I actually didn't pay attention to the Oscars this year. No, it was, it was Two, uh, two years no last year two, I loved the movie mm. I know the Joker yeah, yeah I mean she she picked up on it she understood this collection I mean she's a friend of mine and she like has one of the coats and she like wore it all the time and, you know and it's like only cool people figured out this collection seriously but I'm still being asked about it now like such a long time later and it's not it's not available anymore and I'm like wow this was it made me really sad I was like okay there I actually did something that I was really proud of and then they just the ones that normally loved what I did which wasn't what I loved didn't get it again you are bringing up the best topics I love these topics <laughs> so the, this is a, a pet peeve that I have which is no. like I will make a body of work like so again I'm gonna sort of a visual artist I put it up in a gallery and, and people will come and they'll be like oh, nice this is lovely and then the show will come down nobody bought anything or a couple pieces sold whatever and then the next exhibition I'll put up and people oh oh this is not, you know I liked the last collection better <laughs> and it's just it's like, like good come on then go back and buy I that shit. I still have it in a storage. <laughs> yeah, I'm paying storage. <laughs> like you are welcome to buy that stuff. <laughs> so it's very interesting how like yeah. it, it seems like like a lot of times, and it's not true with everybody, but a lot of times when creative people come out with sort of new or different things, the initial reaction is not as much support, but then over time, it's it sort of seeps into their consciousness. Yeah, and it becomes and then, an appreciation. Yeah, you know. The thing is that the collection that I'm doing now, actually, I have to talk about it, I'm still so interested in it, is that I'm working with tattoos. 
I, I what? I was going to be more specific. Oh, so, okay. Let's start at the beginning. I got a phone call from my friend. She was like, oh my God, I was at a party last night and I didn't want to leave because it was so much fun. But then something told me like, get out of there, like go home, go to sleep. We have a kid that was like born, they're born like a day between. Like I have to go home and like be with my kid and whatever. And then the day after she woke up to a picture of a girl that we both know of her ankles. And basically my friend left five minutes before they brought out the tattoo machine. And so she woke up with tattoos on her ankles that are really, really poorly made. And they say 170 on the left ankle and H on the right one. I uh, hope that has some meaning to her. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> the meaning is ridiculous. Uh, she's never ever going to live in Seltjarnanes again, which is this little part of town that the postal code is 170. And her boyfriend's name starts with an H. And she sent me this picture of her ankles. And I was just like, oh my God, that is the best tattoo I've ever seen. And it's just so ridiculous. And then I was just like, okay, so, you know, put it away. And then like always like a week later, I was like, wow, 170H, wow. that is so random. And it just kept coming up until I was like, okay, I can't, I can't, can't fight this anymore. I think it's still the coolest tattoo I've ever seen. It's so cool, but the girl hates it. <laughs> But I told her that if she ever removes it, I'm just going to put it on me because this has to live. But yeah, so I started thinking of like the ta like random people's tattoos. Like people have such funny tattoos. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. And then for better just, or for worse. For better or for worse, exactly. But then I, I just have these memories of people, my friends and like, you know, it's not maybe like close friends, but my acquaintances or whatever of their tattoos. So I just started collecting them. And one of them is the girl that I talked about earlier, Hildur Guna. She has one of the tattoos, which is like a stick figure guy on her arm, which is just, it's such a ridiculously stupid little tattoo. And then this guy that has all of these stick and poke tattoos, which are, one is a lightning and one is like a really, really long fork on his hand. I'm sorry, stick and poke? Stick and poke. Oh, they, so like hand done. Ha, yeah. Okay. And I think like most of those have just been made from his, like by his friend or whatever. So I collected all these tattoos and I asked people if I was allowed to make a clothing line out of it. And I talked about it with my friends and they were like, nobody's going to let you do that. I'm like, okay, well, watch me. <laughs> and that's the whole collection is that I... Took. Are you sure you don't need lawyers? You I talk to all of them. <laughs> okay. I have consent. I like, you know, I have, okay. I have all the... Yeah, so that's basically what it is. It's called 170H and it's a, a quirky little tattoo line. And that that's mostly embroidered there is one dress that is digitally printed but it's mostly mostly embroidered because then you don't like you know i'm not like i'm trying you know trying really hard to push back on the try different mediums like because i was so stuck in the digital printing i'm trying to do something different which isn't as polluting as the digital print but it's, it happens really slowly because you sort of fall into the same rut as you were before and i'm trying to pull myself out of it but yeah one step at a time it's hard to change mediums i guess because like i yeah. would call that changing mediums in yeah. a way because i mean you're going literally going into a completely do, new thing that you sort of i mean maybe, i don't know if you need to master it because now there are machines that can do embroidery yeah, i really and don't like have that. to embroider myself no. yeah <laughs> 
So it's, <laughs> it's not a handcraft anymore necessarily, no. but it's a whole different sort of aspect of the industry. It's not, you know, that's like me as a photographer just suddenly saying like, oh, I'm going to be a screen printer. Like, yeah, exactly. That's a no. totally different thing, even yeah. though the results could look exactly the same or yeah. have the same sort of output much like yours is. So how is that uh, experience of changing mediums going for you? Super fun. Yeah? Yeah, it's really fun. And what I'm making now, I mean, I had to work with different kinds of fabrics as well. And it's really, I, I don't know, I, I'm i really proud of this collection. It's it's fun, it's quirky. I, I wanna wear every single thing in the collection. That's that was sort of you know my pro provocative provocative however you say how, prerogative provocative was to do it for myself. And I wish you good luck with that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we all want to do we all that's what we all want to be doing. We want to make things that we want to own, kind of stuff as creative yeah. people. But <laughs> that doesn't always isn't always financially successful, unfortunately. No. But then it's really interesting to see because I I've been asked when we opened this store one and a half years ago, and people sort of know that helicopter used to be in this store. So there are people are still like coming in and asking like, "Where's helicopter?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it hasn't been available since 2017, but it's coming back." And I'm so interested to see what my old customers are going to say about this, you know, because I just have like this. The silk suit with his quirky little embroidery tattoo things. I, I don't know what they're going to say. If they're going to be just like, what are you? you know, it, it's interesting. It, it's nerve-wracking in it many really ways. It really is, Look, yeah. I mean, I was a photographer for going on 25 years. And so everybody knows me as a photographer. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even own a camera anymore. Oh. So I'm now... Yep. Doing Not other one? things. Well, okay, I own a cell phone with That's a camera. That's <laughs> Really not the same. But yeah, I know. Well, I mean, sure, I, I own old film cameras and Polaroids and things like that, but yeah, I don't use that's them. That's owning a camera. Yeah, but I don't use them. I, oh, I you will. I haven't pulled out a camera, a, a professional camera in almost five years. But I paint-ish, collage. I do all kinds of different things. And that, this is what I'm, so I'm, that's why I'm asking about this sort of transition. I find that when people come out of school, they sort of have this thing and they're just trying to like define themselves and make their style and get mm -hmm. the brand and whatever. And they do their thing. And then at a certain point, they decide to transition. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people I went to school with, like we, they were, you know, painters or whatever, or sculptors or whatever. And later in life, they, as their time goes on they have transitioned to other mediums like yeah. i found a lot of creative people like where where in other industries or even sometimes in the creative industries like you get stuck in one thing and yeah. you get known for that thing and then you sort of can't change because yeah. otherwise you're kind of screwing your your quote-unquote like brand or your style exactly. or your whatever the image that, but yeah then there are a lot of these other people such as i guess at this point you and me who sort of grow and change and evolve into something else over the course of their careers mm -hmm. that could be beneficial or detrimental and you will never know until you do it exactly. but, but you will never know until you do it but you'll never know until you do it and then five years yeah okay <laughs> great okay so we'll meet again in five years well, I mean, but it's true because you know because like initially when you come out people are going to react and they're like either going to love it or they're going to hate it but and then there'll be a lull and then it's like five years later if they're still thinking about it and still yeah. and then still buying your stuff after mm -hmm. five years then you know you transition well 
Or yeah. you evolved well. But it's also, but I mean, okay. I mean, I, I know what you mean, but if you're like, okay, no, this didn't work. So like five years later, you're like, I didn't evolve very well, did I? Now that was a bad evolving. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> yeah. I try not to use the words like bad, <laughs> wrong. No. But, but, but like, but well, you, could, you can continue to evolve, you know, so it was an evolution and then you can continue to change it over the next couple of years as well. Yeah. So like, it's not, it, none of this stuff is, et, well, I guess it is kind of etched in stone because you make it into a piece a of fabric bit. and people then, like it or they don't yeah but, but it, <laughs> your lifetime and your career is sort of not etched in stone like you, no. you can continually change and, and flow and sort of follow well, things yeah, which reminds me of one story because you asked me about my stories. my um my background so my grandmother is was a composer she's she's passed and she was a really big one like you know she went to juilliard she went like you know she was, she was a huge huge lady a big inspiration to me. She was in, uh, she went to this uh, nursing home, stayed there for a really long time because she just really didn't want to leave. She loved living. And my mom, I mean, she became 99. And my mom, when my grandmother was 98, she, she was always like pulling, pushing her to the piano. You know, she was always playing. And then she was like, Lovisa, which is my mother's name. Do you want to hear my newest song? <laughs> she was 98. And I was like, yes, I would love to. And she plays the little, this little doodle, this little melody. And my mom's like, but that's really different from everything else you've ever made. She's like, yeah, I'm not going to stop now. And she's 98. And she was like, there's no way I'm not going to keep on like evolving. And this is one thing that I, I hold really dear. I'm like, of course, why would you stop? Like, even though you know it's, you know, your last or whatever. Oh, yeah. I have but never gotten to hear that little melody just let's keep that <laughs> she didn't record it no that's so no. sad i'm not my, my mother said that it really wasn't something that you know anyone was supposed to hear she was like that she had this like really big kind of yeah songs yeah i don't even know how to describe it she was a big composer to say it that way like orchestral stuff like big no, stuff no heavy okay. like yeah and Dense. she made the first ballet first icelandic ballet interesting yeah so okay yeah. so you very much come from a creative family yeah then. all right even though my dad is a kidney specialist creative in its own way in food making yes, yes, yes. <laughs> medicinal kidney yes god so bad medicinal he's a doctor yeah we'll go with that <laughs> All right. So any, like wrapping this up. So any sort of advice for future listeners? So, so people who might be in some transitional period, some young people who might need some, some help with getting their fashion line off the ground or any sort of things from your own experiences. Well, my experience of basically starting this was I, I didn't start doing it right away. I worked for another company for three years, you know, it's called Nikita and I got all of my basically like living knowledge, like the knowledge that makes you actually be able to do this, to manufacture, to talk to the manufacturers and all this, was learning from like firsthand. I would never advise anyone to go straight out of school and just jump in there, rather get to know from the people who are doing it, you know, as a living and have, you know, succeeded. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I did lots of internships out of school. Unfortunately, none of my internships helped me in my career, but they helped me to tell me what I don't want to do in my See, career. See, that's also really helpful. But I mean, this was, I was working for a streetwear company and that really, I mean, helped me a lot. And I got to travel a lot and it was so much fun. 
Yeah, but that sort of uh, yeah made me know how to do it. It gave me the know-how, which is really important. Sorry, don't want to end it here because you just brought up something. So you were you were born and raised here, but you have left here. So uh, mm -hmm. one question that I do actually ask a lot of people uh, who are in, uh, and I take, apologize if you take it offensively, but like in remote locations, mm -hmm. why did you leave and choose to come back? I don't know if it has to do with being like an island living person, what we call it, like a, a pirate. No, um, this island and the people that live here call you back. It's sort of like, I always wanted to leave. And then when I was there, I missed it so much. And I just like, I couldn't see the sea every day. And to me, seeing the sea is sort of vital. I mean, in Berlin, you're in the middle of the city and there's like, there are no hills, there's there's no mountains, there's nothing. And here, if you walk down the main street, you just look to the left and you see the sea and you see the mountains, you see Eshan, and it's it gives you so much. It's like a the only way to be able to breathe. I feel as good so. an answer as any. I mean, it's, it's just one of the things like, cause like, I grew up in Washington DC and I have no desire to go back there. <laughs> no, but not even for mom and dad. Mom and dad don't live there anymore. No, so that's the funny thing about people in the U S you're sort of just like, you're born somewhere, but then you don't give a shit. You just go. Uh, uh, my family was in the Washington DC area because my father's job was there. And when his job was done, when he chose to retire, they moved somewhere else. Okay. And so, yes, I like going where my family is, but mm -hmm. my family's not in Washington, no, D.C. Okay. So. Yeah, no. Yeah. But it, it's one of those weird things. Like I, one of the biggest mistakes, you know, my therapy session that I do during this podcast here, but one of the biggest mistakes I learned in my career was that I did not have that foundational location. Right. That I returned to and sort of made my, built my career from, basically. Mm -hmm. I kept moving. I literally just would move. Mm -hmm. And I find that the people who, when they're younger or when they get older and whatever, they return to a place where they have, have a, a, a support network, peer group, uh, supporters, whatever it is, probably end up doing a little bit better in you their careers so? than if they just yeah, well i mean unless you like let's say like graduate college and you move somewhere and then you stayed there your whole life yeah that would work for you too mm. i've been moved i've moved 19 times in my adult life that's so often <laughs> i mean i i have moved between houses yes i mean and i no, uh, i I've don't have how do you have even a number <laughs> so 19 and a half times i have moved i, I don't have a number I think that sounds right. But that, some of that is still within a city. But even if it was within a city, it was to the other side of the city. So yeah. it might as well be a new city. But yeah. And I, and I, to me, then, to, you know, as my advice to listeners, like that's a bad idea. Like yeah. having a foundational place, a sort of a core group, a community or whatever it is. In your case, it's Reykjavik. That, that is not necessarily where you stay all the time, but it is your foundational yeah. place that you built your, your support yeah. network, peers, buyers, whatever from. I feel like it's incredibly important for creative people, and I yeah. made that mistake in my life. Yeah, well, never too late to, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm looking for, <laughs> we're, 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 it's funny, when I was a kid, 
Okay, this is my little story. When I was a kid, I was doing a lot of drugs and and I went to my dad, my dad's a priest, and I said, dad, I need some help. Could you get me into a rehab program? You know, I've been doing too much cocaine. I need help. And my dad just sits me down and he he tells me this whole little long story about like birds and nests. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, like, when birds are born, they get out of the nest and, and they fly away. And some of them fly very short distance and they sit there and they settle down and that's where they stay the rest of their lives. Some birds fly and they try one nest they don't like that nest they try another nest they don't like that one they go to the third one they find the third one third one's great for them they stay there other birds will go and they'll fly to a nest and they don't like it they fly to another nest they don't like it they fly to another nest and they don't like it and they never find a place to, to call home doesn't make them any less of a bird but what does that have to do with taking a lot of drugs <laughs> well in the end what it was was is that it was that i was taking my own path in life and that whatever choices I made, I had to not only do them, but I had to more or less like pay the price for them. I, I, I had to make my own decisions. Basically in the end it was, I got myself into this situation. I had to you get myself get, out. Wow. So this sort of like probably sounds like what Amy Winehouse's dad said to her when she was like, please help me and get me to rehab. So there's this bird. <laughs> yeah. So there's this bird and this bird. And yeah. So, so yeah, he did not get me into rehab, but wow. I did clean up uh, shortly thereafter and, and regardless. But the point being is, is that like the, some people don't find their place and some people it takes longer, some people, whatever, and it doesn't make it right or wrong, but it's no. just as far as like building a career, it's more difficult. Yeah. It's not to say it's impossible. No, but more it's, difficult. it's more difficult. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Dad, for telling that story. He probably loves it. It was a private story. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> it's okay. He doesn't listen to the podcast. So okay, good. Fine. So it's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Complete Conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, studio mates, anyone with an interest in the arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014, the audio was edited by Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.